Hi everyone, and welcome to our full album review. For Public Enemies, it takes a nation of millions to hold us back. Mm-hmm. This is the Classic Quest podcast show where we break down the classic hip-hop albums track by track, giving our thoughts and opinions on every single song. My name is Holden Stefan Roy. I am your lady friend, Bonnie. And like I said, we're going through albums, talking about each of the tracks on this here album, It Takes a Nation of Millions to Hold Us Back by Public Enemy. Yep. So before we actually get into it, I'm going to do a little self-promo for y'all. I uh, put out a new song on May 13th. Y'all can check that out on this channel or you can check it out on Spotify. Give me a little follow on Spotify. It helps show some love. Got a new one coming out June 24th. So you can click on our DistroKid link and uh, hit that pre-save Spotify option there. Mm-hmm. That would be real dope. And if you like what we do over here and you support this deep dive into the album review land, this appreciation of the musical culture, you can support us over on the Patreon for a dollar a month or more by clicking on the link below. And that would be super significant and helpful for all of our future dreams. Anyway, we like to start off each of these episodes just kind of touching a little bit on why we pick each of these albums because um, sometimes people cared in the comments and, and were questioned it. So I thought, yeah. let's answer everyone. Um, in this case, uh, it's honestly because Public Enemy, and this was one I picked, uh, it's because they've been in the news a lot with Flavor Flav getting kicked out the group and yeah. stuff. Was it a month, two months ago? Something like that, which is when we were, like, we were planning on doing this review a little bit, a little bit closer to when that happened, but somebody had to go fall and break their teeth over here. Hey! And uh, messed up our schedule a little bit, then we got into Patreon land, and boom, now we're back to a now free week. And we're doing this one. Uh, for me, it's an interesting album because I think it was episode three or two or something. It was the very second or whatever, really back at the beginning of the classic quest. I think it was episode three. We did Public Enemies, Yo Bum Rush the Show. And now uh, this was like way back in the days to the point where Bonnie hadn't joined. And the episode performed yeah. so bad in terms of views. We were like, we need a girl. <laughs> we need a, nobody wants to click on two dudes. Turns out, adding a girl made the show a lot more watchable to people. It seems. I mean, yeah. now I would like to think I can hold my own by myself, but I could not hold my own by myself back then. I'm being, I'm being real with y'all. Bonnie can hold her own by herself too. Chris can yeah. too. Yeah. But back then, it was a different world. So still, uh, yeah, we did that, and it was. It was not the best experience because I didn't really know anything about five percent or philosophy, or well, the I mean, significance of the, the, the bomb squad. I think it's the bomb squad's production across hip hop, or the actual influence and impact of the revolutionary nature of Public Enemies, like impact on culture and like we, let's just say we learned a lot yeah. as, along the way. So just to say that, like all respect given to them. You know, some of the more fun things I've learned, like that episode of UMTV Raps where a certain substance falls out of Flavor of Flav's pocket mid-performance on television, creating this juxtaposition of just being this group with Flavor Flav and holding it together, learning stuff like how they just wanted Flavor Flav out of the group when they moved on over, I think, to do this album. And Chuck was like, nah. Flavor Flav is just part of it. You get all of us or you get none of us. Learning about the S1Ws, I think they are, and just um, 
just seeing like how they were literally affiliated with Professor Griff. I think, and like just this whole like militant, highly disciplined dudes that would march on stage, but literally in the streets were there as like a legitimate militant force and stuff. So I mean, at least for me, I learned a whole lot about Public Enemy like since the last time we did it. But another thing, at least on mine, I learned a lot about is production. And that is relevant because I don't think I understood how good the production was back in the last time. I didn't really understand production back then. Right. Anyway, then we also did one other, whatever album they did in 2017, the mixtape. Chris and I talked about that. It was all right. And then I know I've looked at Prophets of Rage. I think I did their first album. To which, honestly, it was real disappointing. Chuck D's performance on the Prophets of Rage album is really not something I was that thrilled with. But like... I mean, we're talking about Rage Against the Machine. At least Be Real kind of sounds like Zach De La Rocha. Chuck D doing straight like killing in the name felt freaking weird. I just couldn't <laughs> get into it. That doesn't mean Chuck D isn't a wonderful vocalist. It's just weird. Anyway, all that to say, I'm a little bit more excited to talk about this. Plus, I was ready yeah. to go like a month ago. So it was kind of like a refresher listening to the album today. What about you? What are your thoughts and feelings towards Public Enemy going into this? I don't think I've ever listened to them. Like, I feel like I may have heard a song, like, somewhere out out and about or whatever. Um, because, I mean, I, I know the Yeah Boy, like, I know that. But, like, I just don't know if that's, like, common knowledge or that's just, like, something that I know. Like, I don't know how I know it. Um, but, yeah, I've never listened to it. I, I, I would I'll say Flava Flav is culturally a meme. He's he's referenced a lot in a lot of stuff you would have watched, right? Even if you didn't necessarily know who he was per se. Really, was he mentioned in a lot of things that I was watching? When I this, think so. When the stuff came out. Was, no, not was not when the stuff. No, I mean like in the last like twenty years of pop culture, like if you watch Chappelle show and a lot of other stuff, you yeah, would that's true. have that's watched. True. So yes is the yeah, answer I've to the seen question. The show in the last several times. Thirty years <laughs> of your life, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank I'll, you. I'll allow. And the big clocks? Because, yeah, this came out June You've 20, even seen CB4. So, yeah. Okay? You've seen a lot of stuff that it could have been in. I have. Throwing it out there. I digress. So, you know, yeah, boy. Yep. That's pretty much it, really. Fair enough. That I can remember. I don't know if I know anything else. I mean, I just kind of knew that they are powerful revolutionaries in terms of the spirit of what public enemy is i was curious to know your thoughts on the current split like does public enemy exist without flavor flav i know technically the new project's public enemy radio which would be like a or whatever it is is a separate entity than public enemy which is fine like chuck d's been doing his shit the whole way through um but it's just such an interesting relationship like do you guys feel because a lot of y'all are probably way bigger public enemy fans been watching it for a real long time do you think it's still public enemy if there's no flavor flag anyway let us know in the comments what you think about that and then we can move on to the the title which i think it's one of the most memorable album titles i've ever heard and even like and it means something you know like it's pretty powerful like i've heard this title since I don't know, ever since I know one about like YouTube. Let's say once we got to YouTube and that's when I unlocked my musical like ability to learn stuff, you inevitably, if you're an 18 year old white boy in the times of when Wu-Tang was still cool back in like, let's say 2005, uh, it's impossible to not have, at least in my experience, all the white 
uh, college leveled hip hop heads going on about Public Enemy and, and like they're like whatever. So I ended up buying like Yo Bite Rum Rush to show. I think I even have that project in the other room, like just in like a disc form. Mm. I might not, so I'm not gonna go look. But like, either way, I don't understand any of it. So like, uh, but when you hear the title, it takes a nation of millions to hold us back. It really is just a commentary on slavery and the the position of black people in this world it's just a commentary like it literally takes millions of complacent people operating in unison to hold back but not people. just complacency but like there are those that are involved mm. in forcibly holding people back that's true too so i mean there's you know two sides of that too I was just, I guess, being a little generous there, but you're right. I mean, the idea is the reason they're held back, the reason because they're so powerful in spirit is because that many people collectively work to keeping them down. Yeah. It takes that much to work. It takes empires, you know, to like create the systems and play that did it. It's like, it's such a strong title. And then like to have them with the cover in jail. And like they're, yeah, they're just looking cool and fresh in, in jail. In a jail cell? I would argue Chuck D looks cool and fresh. I have never once thought that about <laughs> Flavor Flav in my life. He looks goofy. and But can I be real? Flavor Flav is the ultimate hype man. Enough said. He's yep. the ultimate hype man on stage. I've, I've watched some of his crazy crackhead shit. And uh, wow, he looks like the kind of guy you want to be on stage at your live performance. I'm just throwing it out there. Um, it's, it's, a, it's an amazing cover. I just feel strength. Like even though we're locked up. Even though we're held in a cage, even though this is the world, you can't take it away from us. You can't take away our spirit. And like, and I think it also speaks like it speaks volumes to like what was going on. Mm. Um, and you know, like I said, this came out in June twenty eighth, nineteen eighty eight. So this came out like you know around the crack epidemic, um, around like everything else, and like you know, you know, people you know who were growing up then like. Their parents and grandparents had, you know, anyone that was around had probably, you know, gone through um, some form of, like, discrimination and, like, slavery and, like, all of that. And, like, I know um, that, like, I know this is, like, a little bit of a, a random piece of information, um, but I know that um, Holocaust victims um, from, like, World War II, they carried on in, like, the, in their DNA um stress that stress and let that like intolerable feeling i guess uh of being in the holocaust and like being like in auschwitz and like those kinds of things if you were there and you were able to like you know make it on make it to the other side that stress is in your dna and was passed down to like the next generation of jewish people of you know whatever else you know gypsies gay people whatever so i imagine that slavery that there is something uh, and like the discrimination and like the constant like battling and like all of that i'm sure that that is also in people's dna from like their ancestors and so like that's kind of like something to think about that this like strife has just been going on and you're feeling that in your in your soul because that's who you are and like that's what makes you um and so i think that that's also has like a huge impact on like dealing with like the government and like society and things like that that are kind of holding you back um so i think that that's 
I don't know. I think that it's it's definitely a strong title. It's a, you know it, the cover is pretty good because um, you know you're getting like the jail type you know being trapped feeling. Um, so, but I think that the yeah the title is pretty incredible. Yeah, I don't, that's what I get from it. <laughs> I guess that's it. There's still uh, the whole project to get into. So, so yeah. why don't we get into it and we will discuss a countdown to Armageddon. So this is actually live. I believe that they captured like live footage from the 1987 Def Jam tour alongside just pit with Eric B and Rakim and a 19 year old LL Cool J. That's like, I guess the up and smoke tour of 87 is all I'm trying to say. Mm. Um, I mean, in terms of like big boys in the game coming through. Interesting. I, mean, I, I was might looking be wrong. for something completely different to try to figure out what it was, but okay. Um, but yeah. Well, I mean, I clicked on the genius annotation and mm. it said Hammersmith Odeon is the name of a large entertainment venue located in Hammersmith, London. After this performance, a bunch of bad shit at hip hop shows basically made them stop performing hip hop. But go. I actually watched a live performance of this. I There's a documentary or something about Public Enemy you can find and you, the, the, this clip is there and you watch Progressive Griff come out and you're watching these motherfuckers like marching. Like, because like, yo, when I was in Kidditz, we did synchronized marching. So, like, it's a whole thing. You learn how to, like, do it so everyone knows their specific shit. You basically weave and bob through each other and shit. And, like, I had a high level of appreciation to the discipline choreography they brought through. But I just, like, pictured the live show. You're there. You hear that. And this fucking Professor Griff guy comes out and just starts fucking yelling at you. (laughs) In, like, a, a good way, right? Like, it's not a bad way. And then it's just... You hear the intensity coming through. I, I can picture the stage presence. I'm not going to show it because it might violate copyright. But, like, y'all can Google the Hammersmith Odeon Def Jam Tour Public Enemy Countdown to Armageddon Introduction Video. All of that. You can go ahead and Google it and yep. you'll find it. And it'll be poking fire. And, like, uh, I just think it's cool. Like, it's like, you know why it's cool? Like, NWA did this shit too back then. The level, and, and to give him credit, uh, Travis Scott with the Astro World did the same shit I'm thinking of, where they effectively make the whole stage an experience. Like Eminem's done it. Like a few people have. And those tours where like it's a complete experience, like it's an Iron Maiden concert. I think those are special. I think like those things are like above and beyond. Like you know what I find a lot of trouble. Like I saw Wu Tang last summer. I'm never gonna go see Wu Tang again. Honestly, not because the music isn't hype, but because the live performance isn't hype i know that wu-tang in the 90s getting rowdy with turned up fights might have been an experience i've heard some stories but wu-tang at a stadium with no props on stage and not even really utilizing led technologies to look cool like i've seen people do a decade ago it just looks cheap and boring to watch like nine guys walk around stage one at a time rapping with the occasion like to me versus that choreographed experience that like with the whole setup and everything the smoke and all that like that's an experience that's Mm -hmm. worth a hundred dollars seeing wu-tang rap like it it was worth 40 bucks not the hundred i paid that's what i'm trying to say the show they gave me wasn't worth the money and the like what it didn't even feel like they wanted to be there plus Mm, no method man method mac anyway that's not about wu-tang uh so i was impressed with this i feel like this introduction does a huge job of hyping you up to the album plus the way it just cuts off and the next track just starts like it's just synced in perfectly to bring in the next it's just great yeah so i give it a 4.5 yeah um so i mean that's what it is it's like you know the announcer at the stadium that they're performing at 
Um, and it's, you know, them being introduced to the audience, which you can hear, and, like, it's kind of cool. Um, and I like that it was in England, because, like, you can hear them being like, are you ready? Or whatever. And um, they make reference to, like, BBC television. So that's what I was looking up. I was looking up. I thought they were on, like, some, like, live show or something on BBC. But anyways. Um, yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. Because, I mean, you don't often hear of, like, like these 80s rappers performing anywhere else than besides the States. I don't know. Like, maybe that's just me. But, like, in my mind, it's like we've never really heard someone be like yeah when I was in Germany when I was in England when I was in China wherever you know wherever you're, you were like touring so it's cool that they were in England and they were doing their thing and they you know they had a good tour um and then there's like an alarm and then it's like Armageddon and it's the end of the world and like those that, that are listening have been warned and like and like I can imagine like just visually uh mm. like like I can see myself you know, in the in the song, like I can see like what's happening, like you know, I can you know visualize everything, and I think that it's really cool. It definitely, um, I, I imagine that this was a significant moment for them, um, you know, and then being there that they wanted to put this on the album, or they thought that it sounded so good, or both, or whatever. But um, I thought it was a good intro. I gave it a four point two five. Fair enough. I mm -hmm. did forget a little bit about what they were hyping out for, but it also <laughs> does thematically set up the album like and it, it just tells you what we're getting into and i guess it's almost like a follow-up about the last one um anyway we can move on to track to it end because after we count down we have to bring the noise, bring the noise. i'm certain there's probably like a whole lot of people that really just have this vivid memory of chuck d going bass how low can you and just like just the way he like is that not like one of the most iconically imprints into your mind ways to start a song that we've probably yeah it's pretty cool ever fucked with mm -hmm. um it's not like relevant here but on what track is it the one where they're in fucking prison we'll get to it um i think it's black steel in the hour of chaos or one of them Fucking Scarface on Genius comments on how Chuck D is one of those few MCs that really understands how to use his voice as an instrument. And on the deluxe cool. version of this project is an acapella cut of Chuck D's first verse. And like when you just listen to it without the beat or anything, it's really impressive how much it just stands and you can just listen to chuck d yelling at you because his voice just resonates and booms with this depth like it really in and of itself is like this bass string instrument in its delivery it's really cool or maybe a brass or something i don't really know what instrument he is but it's it's a good one how do you feel about the song though yeah um i mean it's definitely a fun one um flavor flavor uh kind of starts us off and you know we have fun you know with like we get that iconic yeah boy um and i don't know it's just so fun and um this one definitely sounds like cool and like of the era it definitely sounds old school um and at the same time it definitely also sounds like nwa fuck the police um with the beat it's i don't know like i can't remember now which came first i was it india nwa definitely fuck the police but yeah i mean i think yo bum rush the show the last album would have been around the same time as nwa hmm because this one definitely samples that 
Um, I, anyways, I like the mixing. I thought it sounded cool. I just was like, right away, I'm like, hmm, NWA. Um, but uh, I don't know. And they're just are sort of just talking about the fact that they don't really care what the critics have to say and that they are going to do what they do and, um, you know, that they're they're black and they're proud and they're standing up collectively for, for the black race and they are um, that's what they're here for um, I mean so there's certainly like I don't know it like it's it's definitely like a strong message like I'm sum, summing it up um, in their lyrics but it's like so much fun it's enjoyable um, I like this one I give it a 4.25 I mean I like this a lot. Uh, I was just thinking what you said about the samples. There's a good chance that at this time a lot of people just coincidentally use the same sort of samples, right? Like, mm-hmm. I imagine that as the technique of DJing came out, certain records would have been jumped on like immediately just due to availability before the more obscure and random shit started to become more predominant. Maybe. But again, I'm just assuming here, but like we're talking 88, it's not like people have. Like, there's a, a lot less digging in the crates, I imagine, that has happened at this point just because it's all being, like, developed. Like, it's all being turned into something as we're yeah. moving in that direction. I, As um, we saw it, like, the Beastie Boys, like, they had to, like, I think it was them. They had to, like, flip to sampling. Or, no, maybe it was this album. Oh, shit, it was this album <laughs> where... Um, when they recorded the first one, it was like there was such a delay or something that they felt like it sounded outdated by the time it came out. And then they like really jumped in heavy on the samples uh, for this project to kind of keep up because they saw what everyone else was happening in the world. I think it was the Eric B. and Rakim project that brought in sampling or mm. whatever. And then that caused them to be like, oh shit, we're behind. And then they put out Yo Burn Rush to show. And then they fucking rushed to get this guy out with the more fresher sounds. I think there was some label issues. Caught. Anyway. It's really fascinating to, like, look into that. Like, imagine doing this whole thing, releasing, like, a whole album where all these writing and recording it, only to find out that, like, literally two weeks before release or some shit like that, these guys drop a project and make you sound dated and old. Like, that's got to be such a... I mean, in 2020, we can pivot, right? Like, we can just fucking, like, oh, that's the new sound, and within a week, we can have a new track out flexing on it. Like, it's fucking easy. But if I think back to, like, 88, man, you're probably talking, what, six months to a year minimum to get your shit out the door through the pipeline of label land to get it to stores, like... A to Z, everything gets proved, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so that's pretty nifty to me. Anyway, uh, you get the, the hype up from Flavor Flav at the beginning, but I like the beginning, too black, too uh, strong. Like, just that's what you're starting with, right? Yeah. And it's sampled from Malcolm X's uh, speech uh, message, message to the grassroots speech. Sorry, I was just clicking and keep clicking it away. <laughs> Malcolm X's message to the grassroots speech. So that's really cool that, like, right off the jump like the first track it's a malcolm x quote who i've come to really respect and admire what malcolm x is who he is and shit um the more i learn about him i don't know it's like such a powerful essence and then basically uh, they dropped the first project so it's almost like yo chuck they're still fronting on us yo let's show them what we do basically that's what he's saying here and then chuck comes through like burst and like again it's such a powerful fucking way he says it like nobody in the history of life can say the word bass better than chuck d did <laughs> there that's it just like there's that guy who goes let's get rid of he owns that like mm. nobody can touch that but him nobody can touch bass the way chuck d touches bass here i don't fucking care what megan trainer thinks Chuck D owns this shit. 
how long can you go and that's an interesting thing and then if you think about it it's like how low can you go and if you think about bass is a is voice but it could also double on tanja to like you know the deeper end of society being pushed and subjugated death the row low end theory what a brother no oh shit and now we're like looking at it it's true i guess the disproportionate murdering of people in prison populations yeah. how many people after the fact after being murdered on death row turns out they were innocent and shit how many times in history has it just been like a situation where i mean y'all know the history y'all don't need me to explain it to you uh if you do though we can make another video we can do that anyway the way rhymes has that old 1980s-ness to it i can't get there's a part of me that can't get past it uh, in terms of Chuck D being very cadence, like, once again, back is the incredible, rhyme animal, the unscannable, D, or I'm not doing it right, but it's just more <laughs> like, that flow, that old school, 1980s, we are not into double time flexing cadences, we are message driven dudes. Not there yet. On the other hand, if I want to march up the street and protest shit, give me Chuck D any day to the, the fucking week, like, uh, their public enemy number one, five oh said freeze and he got numb. Can I tell them that I never really had a gun? That's a nineteen eighty eight lyric. What was it? A couple weeks ago watching multiple people still getting murdered by the five O's up in here. Ain't shit changed. Yep. But the fact that he's dropping it then, like this is like almost new. I'm not saying it's new, but like in terms of it, like pop music, I'm not trying to call them pop, but like in they're huge, right? Like yeah. they toured the they were globe. Popular music. At the time they were like huge. Like they're legends in Europe type. Like I was listening to RA say that when fucking public enemy tours Europe, they're respected like goats that they deserve to be because yeah. of their seminal impact on history. And they like Merca over here. I'm in Canada, though, in case you're watching. <laughs> uh, we're still like America. Uh, but anyway, and then, but it's the wax that the Terminator X bun. Now they call me, got me in a cell because my records, they sell. Because a brother like me said, well, Farrakhan's a prophet. And I think you ought to listen to what he can say to you. Yep. What you ought to do is follow for now. And there's I think a, that that's pretty cool. It's a little bit to unpackage there. But basically, we put the truth out. And we followed that uh, Farrakhan 5% or Nation. I don't know if 5% or Nation is on my same thing. So I say Nation of Islam mentality. Um, if you really want some modern breakdowns, you can listen to K. Reno's uh, channel. K. Reno! He is very into listening to what Mr. Far uh, the Honorable, uh, I'm sorry, Minister Farrakhan uh, says and then regurgitating it back to his audience without maybe some of the more inflammatory stuff that puts uh, Mr. Farrakhan in the news and has my conservative white older friends calling him all sorts of names. And I get, I get, I, I'm not, I'm not really going to comment on it. I don't really <laughs> listen to Mr. Farrakhan talk, so I'm not in a position to comment on it. I'm aware of his reputation as a white person, but... I also didn't understand what Nation of Islam was till like two years ago. So who the True. fuck am I to say what he's right or wrong? Yep. Is he a prophet? I don't know. But does he lead a lot of people in this era towards stuff for the betterment of his people? Yeah, I'll give him that. So kudos to like just bringing that through. And I can only imagine if I was a subjugated person in this nation, perhaps I would look at like a different sense of what's important for a leader. I would be more militant maybe. Maybe I would be yeah. angrier. I'm not that. 
anyway so it's really powerful it's really political um the second verse is cool too like it like never batter them back because a brother was mad at the mad and the fact that's corrupt like a senator soul on soul but you treat it like soap on a rope because the beats and the lines are so dope and a lot of it's gonna be like this i don't think his like fucking bars are like super fucking amazing i'll be honest with you but it's what he's saying is super fucking powerful like he's not trying to drop deep poetry he's like fuck that it's bad like a senator's corrupt blunt because of the context of when it came out it's actually like really like i feel like revolutionary now if he's dropping it i would hope he would try a little more depth with metaphor and shit right but at the same time if like you're doing protest music and you're trying to get your message across i don't know that you want to do that instead you get some banging ass music because yo this shit is danceable like a motherfucker it's straight up like you like you know you want to throw your fist up you want to fucking march you want to fucking fight to this like fight not like break it down with your bro at a bar i mean like fight for your rights and shit you know yep. you know listen for lessons i'm saying inside music that critics are blasting me for they'll never care for the brothers and sisters now because the country has us up for the war and it's like, if you think about it, you know, they take black men, they put them in the army, they send them off to die, and they don't give a shit about it. Yep. So how are you going to make that ask of people but and, and not actually go ahead and give back? All that stuff. Again, everybody knows that. Anyway. It always makes me think of um, the South Park movie from, like, what, 1998, where they're like... They're like, uh, call in, like, the special operation forces to protect us. And it's like... Call in the, the darkies or whatever. And it's just, like, all black people. And, like, they're the ones who are just like, fuck this. And they just let the white people get bombed. And I'm like, yeah. Like, I would do the same thing. And then, uh, yeah. And then he questions the black radio MCs who are clearly bought out by other people and their unwillingness to play shit. Then there's a third verse. And it's pretty dope. I don't think there's as much for me to comment on it. Uh, except maybe this little part. Uh, music for what you're for witching you call a band man making a music abusive but you can't do it you know you call them demos but we ride limos too what yep. you gonna do rap is not afraid of you and I feel like we're already touching into the we're authentic you're not stuff that's gonna come and dominate the foreverness of hip hop for the rest of life it doesn't stop it just to the day we die we will have people in the underground hating other people yeah um Anyway, uh, whether or not they're right, it's not the point. Even if they're right or they're wrong, both groups are going to complain and write the same fucking song. Everybody writes that song. It's to the point where we should all just collectively agree. We all get the point and we don't need to write that song anymore. But instead, we're all going to keep writing that song and it's just going to be like, oh, wow, the 10 millionth song of a rapper complaining about how guys have sold their soul to the devil. Yep. I'm a, maybe I'm just a little jaded as a reviewer. But holy shit, is that the most boring song on every fucking <laughs> rapper's catalog? It just is. Nobody does it original or fresh, really. Like, I mean, every now and again, somebody does it exceptional. Chuck D is clearly doing it blunt in 88, pretty awesome. But is the 95 version of his track better? Or I bet it's there. And yeah. I bet and I bet everybody... Why? Because we've done a lot of these album reviews. And maybe I'm just in a weird mood. But that... I don't know. However, it's not fair to Chuck D and his peoples here. It's not fair to project the future on him. Yeah. He, he may have been involved in making it the future, but it happened. However, before we go on, this version gets a 4.5 on 5. And I like Chuck D's triplet flow. 
that sounds a lot like a lot of those triplet flows people call the Migos flow because he does have one in here. And I think a lot of people, when they even go and attribute it to 3-6 Mafia, don't know how far back into the 80s the triplet flow actually goes. But the fucking Anthrax version is a vibe. It is so goofy. That dude rapping this shit is so goofy. Everything about it is so goofy, but the beat is banging and just watching anthrax and public enemy who i believe were on tour together at one point and this just came to be it is a mm -hmm. great fucking song it is awesome and just the fact that it exists is just powerful to me and i kind of like the idea of public enemy on thrash music a little bit more than rage against the machine sounding music so mm -hmm. fucking throw them on some metallica and i'm down for that shit uh anyway 4.5 for this track and anthrax version gets a five but 4.5 anyway we talk a lot. Don't believe the hype. <laughs> Annie, what do you think about don't believe the hype? Um, this one is interesting. Um, so um, I'll just, let me just see. I'm not sure like which one of them is is the main one on this one. It's Chuck D. Yeah, I think that's what it is, right? There's literally only one track where Chuck D okay. is not the main one. Yeah, so, um, so he's seen as a criminal, but he's not. Um, probably just because of how he's dressed, his skin color, stereotypes, blah, blah, blah. We all know. Um, and he's just kind of like, don't believe everything you hear. You know, sometimes you're only getting one side of the story. Sometimes, like, you're misinformed, you know, things like that. Um, and, you know, basically, on like, the, they're on the same page um, as other artists that we've come across, you know, especially like from, you know, the late 80s and early 90s, um, who are like really, like I don't know if I hear it as much in like the newer music, um, but basically just like, you know, the artists are basically all saying that they want the best for black people, uh, you know, as a whole, as like, you know, as a whole community, um, you know, and just kind of, they're kind of taking things into their own hands and they're going to lead by example and be positive and, you know, do what they need to do. Um, so I think that that's pretty cool. Um, you know, radio hosts are nervous to interview him because he's angry. He's saying basically, you know, and with good reason, um, of course, you know, especially if people think you're a criminal and you're, you know, doing, you know, stuff that you're not doing and you're just like, I'm just chilling, like just minding my own business. I'm not committing any crimes, you know, but how many times do people like that, you know, get attacked or whatever by police or by whoever. And so, I don't know, it's pretty unfortunate, um, you know, but he's basically just trying to get his point across that he is sick of all of that. Um, and like, he's like a media assassin and, you know, he's, he's sick of all this. He's like, this is all lies that, you know, you're being fed. Like, this isn't what's really happening this isn't truly how we are this isn't you know a, a reflection of what's going on and like you know if there are all these crimes if there are all these things that a certain demographic is doing it's you know look at why that's happening you know don't just criminalize those people you know like there's a bigger story uh you know that's going on there so um you know he's just kind of struggling and dealing with all of that um and he's not trying to be like you know negative ne or negative nelly or a downer or anything he is just talking the truth uh, which people a lot of the time don't like because it's hard and like it 
you know, it causes people to think and it, you know, people ask questions and then they're like, well, how can we fix this? And, you know, well, what can we do differently? And, you know, all of that. And so like, there's a lot to it, um, you know, so, I mean, which we're still dealing with, you know, there's, there's never, I don't know if it's ever going to change completely. There's always going to be someone that's on top of somebody else. Right. And that's unfortunately um, life. Um, and you know, and again, and they are a nation of uh, nation of Islam uh, followers, and they are you know true to that, and you know they're trying to spread like a positive message, you know, of that. And I I don't know, I think it's good, and he's definitely like talking his truth, and he's seeing what he sees. Um, I gave it a four point three five. I really like this one. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think this song is taking a look at media and its perpetuation of everything and i think it's like way interesting to look at how again public enemy touches on this subject i mean we're all over you know um in terms of just don't believe like if we look at the current situation the media is such a distortion of truth i don't know if now is better or is worse because there's more sources there's more information coming at you and everything's so i I mean here's the truth it's it's simply better why because back then there was no way to fact check it outside of if you were lucky enough to maybe come across a person with the correct information so while there is a lot of data and information out there the nat- there's like natural curves of learning yes some people in very small numbers if you actually look at the numbers who get caught in weird conspiracy rabbit holes and preach and bullshit i got like 1300 friends on my facebook and maybe 30 of them are idiots the other <laughs> rest of them are fine and i'm serious it's like 30 people talk really loud and everyone acts like it's all of facebook it's not not that many idiots. There are a lot of idiots, though. But I think it is also interesting and important to ask, like, you know, or to, I don't know what, but because, you know, if, if Facebook is the one that's kind of weeding out the, the bad information, and it could very well be bad information if it's not truth, but we're letting Facebook decide that. But for I guess us that's as where well, I'm going with it. Who the, who, what decent human with a good conscious mind relies on any one source of information? Yep. You see some shit? Google it. Read everything. Go and don't listen to it. Read it. Don't watch Call that someone. reporter. <laughs> no, I'm saying don't talk to motherfuckers before you go read. No, but like if you're reading something that's happening in like, you know, Alberta or something. Oh, something who the you know, fuck an, do I know in Alberta? Like I would call one of my friends who's in Alberta or something. You have a friend in Alberta. But like I'm just giving so that I'm reading as an example. some shit if, in if Iowa. You can find out that who the actual, fuck do I know in Iowa? Reach out and be like, hey, is anybody from Iowa? I want to nah. know if this is actually happening. What I'm da-da-da-da. saying is, you is, is look at your, it's impossible. It's literally impossible to do that big scale. Somebody in Jordan. You, Actually, you can find somebody that's no. written something from a certain place, and they, you're getting their perspective and understanding what's really happening. Not on modern news issues. Those on the street. Who? They're not on social media, especially the ones Everybody's with nefarious. On social media. What I have learned in Montreal's <laughs> hip hop scene is the ones that do not make their money clean and legit are not on social media, wow. and some of those are the more popping artists, and therefore our city's fucked. <laughs> a little bit because a lot of dudes can't be on social media publicly advertising their lives is something I'm, I'm not getting no names i only really congregate with ones on social media but i'm aware of stuff and it's actually baffling to me how many people avoid it i'm saying your idea is a little preposterous on getting your information like that i'm saying look at the sources if you're reading fox you know it's going to be leaning in certain directions if you're reading msnbc expect other things if you're yeah. 
looking at Al Jazeera, expect it to be a certain way, but actually take the time to not just look at the news, but look at the sources. And what I tell everyone is read the motherfucker. Look at the language being used. Obama yeah. said fucking nothing for eight years. He lied. Like, in my opinion, that dude was one of the most full of shit men I've ever heard speak. Why? Because I pay attention to language used. And Obama said nothing. Like, he used more words than Trump, and he answered a lot better than Trump. But if I were to take the practical value away from half... I, every time I listen to Obama talk, I'd be like, what the fuck is this man? Why does he use so many adjectives? Why does he use such flowery, pretentious language? Why does he confuse people? Because he pe has an education. Why does he confuse people <laughs> with contradictory sentiments and ideas and convoluted sentences? He does the same thing Trump did from my humble Canadian. I watched that dude talk here in their perspective. He does the same thing Trump does, but honestly, people like it when you use multisyllabic words is something I've learned about especially white boys when it comes to underground hip-hop. So if you use multisyllabic words, you impress middle-class people and then you goat. Simple as that. Guess who the greatest demographic right now is? Middle-class fucking people. Not... Sorry, I've got a lot of things on my mind. Like, there's this... Anyway, not the time or place. But... <laughs> With all that being said, the media is in this weird place, right? And you need to understand all that. But what I think is amazing is that Chuck D is saying, honestly, long before it's cool, yep. question what the media narratives are. And again, a lot of people don't. They really, really, especially older cats. And you can tell a lot. Do you, I ask people, do you watch the news? If you watch the news, your opinion is nothing to me. I don't give a shit what you have to say. If you read the news, I'll talk to you about it. But I think, like, I mean, this wasn't necessarily, like, you know, they weren't the first people to be, like, you know, what's going on. Like, you know. I mean, in hip -hop? Like, literally, like, off of, you know, off the top of my head, Marvin Gaye's what's going on. Um, <laughs> like, kind of him yeah. questioning, like, what's happening, what's what's going on. But like, I haven't listened to that track. Does he directly, outright, basically be like, yo, they're lying? The media is lying? I don't know if he says the media is lying, but he's talking about what's going on in the world shit. today. I think he's just kind of discussing, like, all of the issues. Back, caught you looking at the same thing. It's a new thing. Check out this. I bring, uh-oh, the roll below the level because I'm living low next to the base. Turn up the radio. They're claiming I'm a criminal. But now I wonder how some people never know. So just there. It's like, listen to how the media is perpetuating us as black men and black people as criminals or him as Chuck D with his messaging as a criminal. So it's a great double entendre because mm. it works for both purposes. It's like, to me, a direct assault on the way modern media, you see it with Chinese virus or look at the active efforts because Trump is in a soft war with China right now. All y'all that don't see that happening, yo, that dude is at war with China only like softly it's not a big war yet with motherfucker in depth because that shit's not coming no more it's gonna be all sorts of computer cyber wars of what's actually gonna be more realistic is how uh, america's electoral system gets fucked because china's better at tech than america is in this regard y'all can tell me i like Unless you work in the tech sector, I don't want to have the chat with you on that one. <laughs> um, again, it's like sometimes people just if you don't if you don't watch if you watch the news, the level of influence that happens over you is ten times that of the person who reads the news. There's a lot of science into that. People smiling impacts it. You know, check out Malcolm Gladwell's uh, talking with strangers. If you don't believe that there's any validity, he's a smart guy. You might believe him more than me. There you go. Um, anyway. So what I'm trying to say is reading is the, is the way to discern it. And you know that Chuck D reads, I digress. Uh, he's pointing out the fact that the way everyone's being painted by the media is awful. 
you know, but don't believe that shit. Let's let's get rid of it. They're here to just have a good time with the music. He's not a racist. He's, you know, preaching like education and knowledge. He's not he's he's just really there to fight and be himself. I like when it goes the epitome of public enemy used abuse without clues. I refuse to blow a fuse. They even had it on the news. So it's like on top of that, the cameras is there trying to trap them, trying to piss them off, trying to trigger them so that they fucking snap and manipulate that footage to make them look bad. Because at the end of the day, it's a propaganda PR war. Um, Yes was the start of my last jam. I mean, I have to check that out. It's uh, basically the start of Rebel Without a Pause. And uh, so here it is again on another Def Jam. Get it? Label Def Jam. Oh! Anyway, but since I gave you a little something that I knew you liked, they still consider me a new jack. All the critics, you can hang them and I'll hold to the rope, but they hope to the Pope and pray it ain't dope. The follower of Farrakhan, don't tell me you understand until so you hear the man. I mean, I just touched on this, but the way the media presents Minister Farrakhan, he hates white people and I should die for being the honky that I am. Mm. Do I believe that he really believes that? Uh, No, I hope not. I sincerely hope not. (laughs) But like none of the people I've listened to who follow Farrakhan seem to believe that. So it would be weird for him to actually believe that based on my understanding. Uh, Again, somebody in the comment could be like, nah, dude, he wants you dead. And I'll accept it because I don't know shit about it really. But... I'm not trying to, uh, but I like how he's just this whole like sense of like fighting back, you know. Uh, uh, I don't rhyme for the sake of riddling. Some claim that I'm a smuggler. Some say I never heard of you, a rap burglar, false media, and we don't need it, do we? And then, you know, it's like, just don't believe the hype, fight back. And then Terminator X, do your shit. And he does his shit. And then um, you got another verse. It's a, it's a bit longer, but it kind of goes through the same thing, kind of elaborating a little more. I don't, I don't know that there's a whole lot of bars as I'm just scanning here that I think are like overly next level. It's more like drilling down and doubling down and following through it. And he just keeps rhyming. But because he's Chuck D, he's like up there with DMX and a few other boys where yep. you can just go, mm, Chuck D, just, just say your rebel <laughs> words to me all day long and I will vibe to you. You do it over these excellently constructed and crafted beats that make you want to bump. I'll be honest, I don't like the beat. It is one as much. It's a little bit less good to me. What I really don't like is the chorus that don't, don't, don't believe. I don't really like that as much. I also get it's scratchy. It's kind of what it is. It's not my favorite uh, trope of older hip hop is that kind of hook. I like it when it's done in 2020 and it's ill over ill beats. I don't like it so much here. Okay. Um, I don't know. I do. I, I just think it's a good track. I, I don't want to keep going. Um, there is even a fourth verse because, of course, there is in this lengthy ass five minute track. Um, but again, when you're listening to it, you're just like that. Like you just you're just fucking bumping. When you're sitting here going through the lyrics, you're like, yo, it really it drops down. And I'm not trying to diminish the message of what he's saying. I'm saying again, it's so straightforward. I mean, yo, Griff, get the green, black, and red, and gold down. Countdown to Armageddon. I don't know what I can interpret in that. That would be more than what we've said the songs about. Reps up to Africa. Let's fucking get ready. Countdown to the Armageddon. That's a hype to the last track or the, the intro of this album. Yeah. We're going to get ready to, you know, like you get the cyst of it. You know, wait with the S1s. We'll put the left in effect and I will rock the hard jams, treat it like a seminar. They're just describing their live show. Like, <laughs> I'm just, I don't know. They did reach the bourgeois. They did rock the boulevard. Some say I'm negative, but they're not positive. Okay. I've, you get what I'm saying here? And then, you know, Flava Flav talks for a while. Can we say Yodem Nega's got him going up to see Captain Kirk is, is a good line? I don't really know what a fucking mega is. 
but I do like the fact that we're having a Star Trek bar. So, you know what it is? I like Star Trek bars. I get this a 4.3 vibe. Concept wise, great track. Overall flow of the track, great track. I could see how a lot of other people would like it. Uh, that's where I'm at with this one. Cool. Let's move into the bizarrest motherfucker on this album. Cold Lampin' with Flavor. Alright, Bonnie. What do you think of this experience? Well, um, they are being insulted and they are not having it. I will tell you that much. Um, so this is like Flava Flav. Uh, you know, this is his like solo song. Um, this one kind of has a, a hype beat. Um, like again, you know, my classic imagination. Um, I get the image of like people dancing on the street corners in like acid washed clothes or something like that. Uh, so let me know if you get that same image or if you were that person in acid washed clothes dancing on the corner. Um, like, I don't know, I like some of the lyrics. Uh, flavor Flav, the Flav, all the flavors. Onion and garlic, French fried potatoes. What the fuck is he saying? Make your breath sting, breathe fire, make any onion the best crier. I know it sounds crazy, but it fits perfect. Peter, perfect picked, uh, perfect Peter, honey dripper, sucker sipper, big dipper, sucker dripper, dripping suckers till it's going out of style, creating suckers for the flavor pile, flavor flavor the flavor of the pile. <laughs> like, what he, the hell did he just say? He brings the flavor. It's onion or something. Well, I don't no, know. At <laughs> the end of the day, he's the flavor of the sum of all these wrappers he put into the pile. Uh-huh. Yeah. Something. Something like that. Uh, he's getting all the drips out of all of the wrappers. That sounds way dirtier than it should. Um, I don't know. It's, I don't know. He definitely brings the flavor. Um, the whiny kind of feature in the background um, is kind of annoying, but at the same time, it's kind of cool. Like, I didn't know. I don't know. I was, had mixed feelings about it. Um, really, this song just makes me want to break dance. I don't really give a shit what he's saying, um, but it just sounds cool. So I gave it a 4.25. So <laughs> the beat's all right. Um, this is the worst set of lyrics we've covered on this channel. Like, from a content I'm point to of think view. I'm there were worse. Like, Dr. Dre's porno <laughs> skits make more <laughs> sense than they shit. Like, it makes sense, but it's just like... This sounds like... Like, and it is cool that he's doing, like, um, like, tongue twisters, like, in his front. So, so let me be clear. His flow is surprisingly good. Like, you get really caught up into the flow. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about the lyrics. Yeah. These are awful. Like, it's pretty, like, I don't know. I'm lamping. I'm lamping. I'm cold lamping. Okay, fine. Uh, I got Louis boys. I'm not tramping. I just came from the crib, you know. I'm on the go. Throw your tank into Metro. Live lyric, live lyrics from the bank of reality. I kicked the flyest dope maneuver technicality to a dope track. You want to hike, get your backpack, get out the water sack. You get out the wax sack. So far, this is very average. We're not in the weird yet. It's just he's upset and he reps the real shit. But it's like not exceptional. It's just weird. And okay. was lamping like a, like something it, that people used yeah, a lot it was, back it was in the a day? Term. Like I, I looked mean, it's it like up. You're cool or you're, you're relaxing, right? Like yeah, I hmm. looked up. It was a real term. I'm in the flame mobile cold lamping. I took a G upstate cold camping. Is that like you're saying he took a dude to jail? 
I, I don't understand. Anyway, sit up Poconos, we call a hideaways. A pack of Franks and a big old bag of Frito-Lays. And it's like, here he got distracted. And we never went back. <laughs> Flava Flav is on a hype trip. I'm your hype drink. Come take a big sip. I guess that's a weird sex bar. I'm in a position. You can't play me out of pocket. I'll take the dopest beat you got and rock it. Again, we're still okay, I suppose. Like chocolate, even vanilla, chocolate, strawberry, sarsaparilla. Flavors are electric. Try and get me a shocker. Didn't I tell you to leave Flavor Flavor alone, knocker? I'm like, no, you you didn't tell me that once. I'm like, did you? Did he say that so far? I don't know. But now I know he's basically a super complicated ice cream flavor. A clock on my chest proves I don't fess. What? What does that mean? <laughs> I mean, maybe there's some symbolism to the clock well, on fess, his chest. Well, fess, uh, I don't know. Confess? Does it lie? Fess? I, I, I took a snitch. I'm a clocker rocker rocking with the rest. I guess that's true because he's rocking a clocker. Flav in the house by Chuck D's side. Chuck got the flavor. Flav don't hide. P.E. crazy. Like, it's not like the worst. It's just the worst next to, like... No, this is pretty bad. I think most lyrics I've listened to, like, are... Okay, look, it's fine in the second verse. Like, it's it's lower-tier, decent lyrics. Again, I'm not talking about his flow and voice. We all know that's exceptional. We all know how iconic Flavor Flav is. I've never had to think about him before like this. We got the Magnum Brown Scushi Polushki Super Califraga Hesticalaguthki. He just fucking made up a word. <laughs> He didn't know the word. He started to say the supercalifragilistic or whatever the fucking word is. I don't know what he But he didn't know it. And then you could put it in your don't know what you said book. And I feel like he knew that this wasn't a real word. So he threw in a lyric like, fuck you. you don't, I know what it means. You don't. Fuck you. And I, I have encountered people on a certain rock-like substance before. And yeah. Anyway. Took, look, yuck, duck. What? Innovative <laughs> ill factors by the flavor flav. Come and ride the flavor wave in any year on any given day. What a brother know. What do flavors say? Why do record play that way? I'm gonna assume crack. Uh, I don't know. We could go through. <laughs> He's it just all. talking about crack now, isn't he? This is some goofy ass shit. I mean, I respect the fact that like flavor is like like what he's trying to be with it. Like, I, everyone here gets the point that he is the ill flavor. He's the coolness. He adds the flavor. And while I believe he does add a flavor, it is a weird onion flavor that I'm not that into in terms mm. of lyrical content. Otherwise, the track is really cool. Like, it really is. It's fun to listen to. It was just, I knew I'd have to talk about this. And flavor flavor is in everything you eat because everything you eat got flavor. That's like the most faux philosoph philosophical bullshit I ever heard. That's like pretend philosophy. That's like drunk people philosophy. Flavor Flav is the first taste you get in the morning. Your breakfast is the flavor. I assure you Flavor Flav is just not what I have in the morning. Anyway, y'all get it. This is some bizarre shit. I give it a 4.25 though. Because am I entertained? I am most certainly yep. entertained. Most certainly. This is that type of shit where you, you just, you just, like I bet everybody heard this and was like, what the shit? Like, this is real. This be. is like that fucking <laughs> acid trip that you showed me talking with chairs or talking Yay. talking with spoons, whatever the fuck it is. This guy's just on acid talking and it's the weirdest shit you ever Let heard. Me find exactly what it's and called. you're just like, you can't believe it's real. And it's just so bad it's amazing. And it's like that. Um it's uh Oh god, uh 
something with chairs. Anyway, I don't know. I don't want to like again. I don't want to be talking. Not shit. my chair, not my problem. That's and what I say. We'll tell you in the next track. So anyway, I'm about done with this one. I got a 4.25. Drinking out of cups. That's the one. Google that shit is whack. We, it's, can, we can just put it in we, the description. We'll, we'll probably forget. So anyway, next up is Terminator X to the Edge of Panic. All right. This beat is exceptional. I mean, yep. I was sitting there feeling it. Don't get me wrong. It had that old school vibes. Oh, yeah. It had that, like, everything up to this point. Mm-mm. Sounds like 1980. <laughs> what the fuck just happened? <laughs> this shit just has that go, go feel to it. <laughs> like, you, how the fuck do you say so this? This is, this is hype. This is some... May I just say it's some good dishes, washing music? Or driving around, whatever you gotta do. This is shit that you bounce to. Because when I wash dishes, I move. I get my heart rate up. I make it an exercise activity, motherfuckers, through dance. I started using the dishwasher. We are in different (laughs) places of our health journeys. And uh, when I hear this, I'm already, I just want to jump. I just want to move. And not a lot of hip hop, I find, makes me, not y'all, me want to move. Like this shit does. And yeah. there's a few artists, like a certain snitch that came out with a track recently Ew. that makes me want to move the way that this song makes me want to move. So if I have a choice, I I'm going to throw this shit on. It's a, it's, it, it makes me jump. It just makes me fucking want to move. It's not like I respect that other artist. But I would rather throw this on. I actually forgot about this track. I'm not even going to lie. Now that I've remembered this track exists because we just listened to like a guy. Just every time I've heard it, it just fucking throws. It's just like mosh pit feel to it in terms of his delivery but how do you feel about this track yeah i mean i I don't know did we even say the title of this one it's called terminator x to the edge of panic and i'm pretty sure we said that the last time okay i'm just i just wanted to like reinforce it that's what this is so it's got that like edge of panic kind of feeling um like in terms of like the the way that it sounds it's kind of like it, it, it causes almost like a panic in like your brain or something. I don't know what, um, but it's awesome. And um, the DJ is Terminator X and you know, he's pretty awesome. And I think that that's like, this one is obviously like his time to shine. I like that they all have like their own like moment on like this album. And I, re- I really appreciate when like the producer or like the music, the person behind the music um, kind of has like their time to shine, um, like this DJ, and I think that is awesome. Um, and I love that it starts off um, the beat with like a, a Queen song. I think it's Flash Gordon that starts off. Oh yeah, I um, forgot because you hear it. You hear like Freddie. Uh, uh, yeah, it's awesome and it, it's it's amazing. Super relevant um, for you know the eighties, I guess. Um, I don't know. I definitely love the mixing on this one. It and does the Flash the Flash theme song. Flash Gordon, yeah. Um, I just, I really appreciate this feature on this one. Um, the DJ is using like his hands um, and the mixes to get his message and like his like feelings and like his anger across um, or out uh, in a constructive way. And like, it's really kind of cool. And they're all basically kind of saying the same sort of thing um, in each song, but in a different way, which is like super cool that they have like this like kind of cohesive message that they're trying to like get out to the world and like they're all kind of like angry and dealing with like, you know, kind of sick of dealing with, I guess, um, a lot of the shit and like the prejudices that come along with, you know, their lifestyles or whatever and it's it's really cool um 
I really like how like the group kind of hypes up the DJ. I like I said, I really appreciate that. Uh, and honestly, I really like this one, so I gave it a four point five on five. I think it's super strong. I like how they they sample in a bunch of stuff. Like the federal government is the number one killer and destroyer of black leaders, right? So yep. just imagine like you're sitting there listening, and that comes on, um, and then Chuck says this on it from uh, July 9th, 1988 issue of Melody Maker, courtesy of the Adler Archives. This deals with Minister Farrakhan. Inside that record, he's speaking. I got permission from him. And he just talks about the neglected black radio uh, drug dealers. Uh, sorry, the neglected black radio drug dealers, the assassination of black leaders. His number one statement in there says the federal government is the number one killer of black leaders. Yep. It's true. Of course, even if James Earl, J- uh, Ray, uh, James Earl Ray was the murderer, he was set up or paid. He said nothing. He said he ain't said nothing. It's like the Oliver North thing. Somebody got to take the weight. So I guess it's just like feeling passioned by the situations that are happening. And then, I mean, now we just would change the names, I guess, to... Do you know who James Earl Ray was? No. He's the one that killed uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Mm. Damn. Fair. Um, and then it's like if you just think about it, it's like again, the shit hasn't ended, and it's now 2020, and public enemy is still public enemy. So, well, minus flavor. But anyway, um, I like this song though. So like when you blast in on the verses, again, it's not like there's a, a whole lot of amazing bars that I feel like are insightful. I feel like again, we're just going through with the sense of the same mission drilled down. Yeah. But mine that did pop up with me was who gives a fuck about a goddamn Grammy? And I like that. Cause yo, like, yep. I mean, my ego wants to win a Grammy. Myself couldn't give a shit. It's like, wow, the cool kid club. It's like, yeah, there's a part of me that wants to be in the cool kid club. Like you want to make something that's going to be a hit, but you also want to make something that's going to have a message and it's going to have an impact. I want to, if the Grammys recognize true art, I would respect that shit. The year that Mumford and Sons won record of the year is like, what? Folk is like it? Like, come on. It was for one year, I guess. But my point is, I still don't know fucking anything by them. My point is, year after year, the Grammys snub it, man. Year after year, it's bullshit. And certainly now we're going to see a lot of people of color win everything. But it's not ever going to be about the art. It's always going to be about the politics because at the end of the day, the motherfuckers who make the decisions don't know shit. They really don't. And so when you have the wrong people making choices, and it's cool. Anyway, it's just, but. Just to have them stand there and be like, we are not about that life. We represent some other shit. Like, anyway, what I'm saying to these defending the mic, yeah, who gives a fuck about what they like, right? The power is bold. The rise politically cold. No judge can ever budge or handle his load. Yes, the coming is near and he's about to become the only one and missionary lord, son of a gun. Anyway, it's pretty strong. It's pretty revolutionary. It pretty much makes, it's, he's like ordering you to have integrity. He oozes integrity. It's fucking dub. Um tired wired this is in the second verse his own race playing him close understand his type of music kills the planet a clan you know the pack attack the man with the palm of his hands police wild beast dogs on a leash no peace to reach that's why he's packing his black piece so effectively it's like this music is a threat to the status quo of hatred and systemic control that happens because they're speaking truth and they're educating people and they're combating it and that's the point of their music yeah and uh, I like into it. Um, I, I really enjoy the feel of it. Um, 
I don't have a lot more to say about this one. It's mostly like the beat is ridiculously banging. It's really enjoyable to listen to. Uh, I don't know if it's my favorite song on the album, but it really might be my favorite song on the album mm -hmm. right here now because this it is a super memorable banger to me at least. Uh, but that's okay. We can argue that with all of what they're saying is that they are mind terrorists fighting the evil mind terrorists. Hell yeah. I mean, this is just like uh, a nice little DJ cut. Yeah. I found it very enjoyable. He samples some vocals from the other shit. Like, yeah, boy, bass for your freeze. It's over and over. It hits it. It's aight. Scratches it up. I'm gonna be honest, I don't have a lot to say about this. It's enjoyable, it fits, it's a nice little musical break, and again, it showcases a bit more of the production. I can see how it's fresh at the live show, I can see how he freestyles scratching on the live show and shit. It's super cool, it's like uh, the the music's time to shine rather than shock or flavor. Yeah. So I give it a 4.5, it's good to listen to. Nice, um, yeah, I mean this one definitely has a sick sound to it, I really liked it. Um, this is just sort of like to get stuck in your head, I think. That's all it is. Or it's like just for like the beat to drive you crazy. Like it's just, I don't know. It's there. There's something to it that like sticks it with you. Um, it's cool, but it's simple. Um, I don't know. And like do rappers still like feature like instrumentals, like kind of just to be used for mixing? Like that's what I feel like this is. Like one of those ones that just put there and be like, hey guys, I'm gonna put this here. You can sample for, sample mm. it into your album. See, I took it not like that. I took it more like we're giving Terminator X another like a chance to floss. Cause it feels more like, like if back then the DJ had such a more prominent role yeah. and shit, right? Wouldn't it be like, we gotta make sure our DJ gets a chance to cut because our DJ's gotta be hotter than their DJ. But I think what it is, like, I, yes, I also agree with you on that, but I think it's also like... Why the fuck would anybody, and this is something I don't get, and even to a point, why would people like necessarily want that? But like like we were saying at the beginning, like there there weren't that many sampling beats that, to, that they could use. So no, 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 that's know. not what I was saying. I was saying the pool of what's available had barely been tapped into. So it makes sense that at first the really popular ones got used by a few players. Mm, okay. But if they put all this effort into looking fresh and anybody stole it, they're biters. Like I'm... Mm, okay. All right. I get that. And um, I mean, I look at it more like this was done because he could do that. What the fuck can you do? And it's just another floss. It's yeah, just yeah, another. yeah. For sure. Okay, that's fair. I mean, or like, this is how it's done. We don't even need rappers. Our DJ is just so fucking He's good. He's that talented, yeah. Anyway. Well, yeah, I mean, I like it. I, gave like it, it a... I just, again, I'm picturing the live show and how it would have gone down like that. You know? Like, they would have gone and done, like, a costume change or something while well, he would be is, doing this. Maybe somebody hit, lit something up. There somebody you go. had a glass of water, the other one. And <laughs> exactly. So it's sort of like a, just something to listen to. It's like to. Uh, when Van Halen... I think it was Van Halen. One of those dudes would like fucking do his 20 minute guitar solos. The rest of the band would go get laid in tents under the fucking uh, stage. Maybe they were smashing groupies. There know. you go. I don't Maybe. think so though. Mm. I feel like they're a little integritous. A little. Well, anyway. Yeah, I give this one a 4.3 on 5. I mean, it's cool. Is it's, it, it's not louder than a bomb though. Is it? No. Drop a bomb on them. There is a little sense of holy shit, Chuck D goes in on this shit, but I like it. As a reviewer commenting on it, I am finding it hard to come up with new ways maybe to say Chuck D <laughs> fucking mad at a corrupt system. Because that is the core like of everything on this project, right? Yeah. Which makes total sense given the thing. So I don't want it to at all 
feel as though I don't enjoy listening to track after track of Chuck D saying this shit. I think history's proven a ton of people love listening to Chuck D say this shit track after track after track. Yeah. But damn, it's a lot, right? Like, yeah. the style seems wild. Wait before you treat me like a stepchild. Let me tell you, that's actually clever, right? Like, we, we come in with a wild style. It seems, too. It's like, it's interesting his choice of language. It's not wild. It appears that way to an ignorant listener. Don't treat him like a stepchild, some shit that you're not going to love and respect properly. Let me tell you why they got me on file. Oh, why is the public enemy? Because I give you what you lack. Come right and extract our status is the saddest, so I care where you at, black. And at home, I got a call from Tony Rome. The FBI was tapping my telephone. So it's like we speak the truth. They're tracking us. They're looking into some shit. I mean, the FBI has gone after black leaders. Chuck is a black leader. They're yep. pointing out the threat of their degradation. The attacks against them for what he represents. Yep. Let's be real. It's not like today and now conscious black leaders are celebrated in pop media. It's really not the case. I mean, it almost seems like we're a lot more willing to go share Kanye melting down or Lil Wayne talking about how we don't give a fuck about anybody 10 times as fast as sharing common being common. That's just what I see on my Twitters and Facebooks. Y'all might have a different experience, but... I just don't see a lot of people promoting that kind of strength right now. So it looks like a lot of the bad people may have may still be succeeding in their goal to silence strong black political leaders. I got to give Joe Budden credit. What he's doing with State of the Culture is pretty nice. You may not agree with him. You may not like him. But I have to respect what he's trying to do with mm-hmm. Diddy and Revolts and what people are trying to do. It's interesting. I don't know. Uh, I'm a hard rock, hard, a rock hard trooper to the bone, the bone, the bone. Full grown, consider me stone once again, and I say it for you to know. The troop is always ready. I yell, Geronimo. Keep in mind, they literally have an army of dudes because of Professor Griff. Your CIA, you That's see, cool. I ain't kidding. But I think that may have added complications, gang up problems, right. RICO laws, shit like that would have like had the FBI possibly literally investigating them type shit. I mean, if well, they the literally fucking, say that the FBI is tapping their phones. So if the juggalo were considered a fucking gang because of some actions of in so the juggalos got labeled as a gang because small time police uh, departments determined that under RICO laws they could increase their funding if they could prove that there was gang activity so they collectively would look for juggalo tattoos in petty white trash crimes and link together hey look all these guys with X-Man tattoos are committing crimes they must be an organized gang so that's an interesting like modern way that i seen it happen to white people hmm. just for all the other people who don't believe that this shit can go down it is the same fbi and then weirdly enough one of the fucking get their psychopathic fucking things is like i got a letter from the government it said and they're like fucking coming from this shit they're yep. like basically taking public enemy and look at that and they're fighting back i i don't know if you all care about icp but i just think it's interesting how they're saying this shit but it, it kind of still goes on i wouldn't be surprised if there is some kind of hip-hop infiltration unit that is there to throw dissent not why because it gets spun like black unification is a militant problem it, it'll get in a little terrorism kind of label or some bullshit this episode's getting demonetized i think i've said a lot of bad keywords <laughs> um that's okay. Y'all can support us on Patreon. 
either way uh i really enjoyed this i i think it's really strong i don't know if there's like a lot more lyrics i'm just scanning like this third verse i feel yeah. like at this point it's a lot of dope shit like you know we can't tell who's selling out power building nations are joining the set the point blank target every brother's inside so at least not you forget no taking the blame is not a waste your taste the bitter the song so you can never be wrong just a bit of advice because we paying the price because every brother's man's life is swinging the dice right and it's just like the idea that like life is a chance and a gamble because of the yep. system the idea that here let me give you some hope through this music let's fight together let's do what we got to proper you know uh, get it straight in 88 and I'll troop it to demonstrate the posse always ready 98 and 98 my posse come quick because my posse got velocity top of my phone they never leave me alone I'm even lethal when I'm unarmed because I'm louder than a bomb and I love the idea that the rea there's a reality here that his voice and his message and everything about his soul permeates more powerfully than any kind of physical violence can be and that's why the FBI targets these people it isn't actual low-end criminals because they're not a threat to anything it's thought leaders that are a threat to the status quo huh. anyway yeah it's a real good real good song uh in terms of message and content again sonically it's a little less my favorite so i gave it a 4.35 on 5 but i do like it and now i know that bonnie hasn't yet spoken and lately i've had a bad habit or maybe forgotten about her so bonnie how do you <laughs> feel about this song um i mean yeah like you said it is you know pretty similar in tone um you know as you know the rest of the album that we've heard um i wanted to mention that also the fact that um the producers are the bomb squad and so i thought that that had to do mm. with um this as well um and basically like white media is scared um of their message being heard by the black listeners who may be riled up by their words so like that's kind of what it is is that you know exactly like what you were saying these guys are the ones trying to educate trying to raise awareness um you know use their platform um you know to to get to basically to infiltrate um the minds of you know uh like the black community like that's kind of like you know obviously like their their target um, and to make the changes and to, you know, have people grow and, you know, like, you know, obviously like what was going on, you know, in like 88. So, um, I don't know. It's pretty interesting. Um, uh, basically like the ripple effect of a bomb is significant. So they're saying theirs is even more powerful. Like when they drop truths, they, it, it is spreading faster than a bomb would. Uh, faster than like Hiroshima or whatever, you know, like th those kinds of things. So like they are ready for you. So they're basically like, bring it, like we we can handle it. Um, and like they rhyme very well and they are definitely standing up for what they believe in and, but like still having like a fun time and still like making it enjoyable to listen to, not like just like a, a sermon or something, you know, it's, well, I mean, maybe people enjoy listening to sermons, I don't know, um, but it's definitely, it's nice. It definitely has a cool beat and it is, um, you know, it's they're louder than a bomb and it is definitely an attacking kind of a song um, and they don't give a shit what you think. Like they are going to say their truth. They are going to speak up. They are going to scream it from the rooftops if they have to. Um, and I think that that's pretty powerful in itself. So that they that their conviction is so strong. So I get this one a 4.3 on 5. All right. Let's talk about caught. Can we get a witness? Hell yeah. So, um... Let's talk a little bit about selling out. You, you, when you have a reality show, 
I think that is selling out. There's just a 0% chance you can tell me that a reality show is not a sellout move for anybody. And that includes Joe Biden, but he was okay with being a sellout. He's, he's fine with it. Or many, many other people. And I'm not saying Flavor Flint in 88 knew he was going to have the cringiest fucking dating reality show I've ever seen. It was, it was, that was a weird show. Plus, what a flex. What a way to get a lot of pussy. Like, <laughs> you make a show where a bunch of women compete to fuck you in nasty ways. Yeah, boy. He acts a little <laughs> bit weird. He acts vile to them. I watched him. I watched a little bit of it. I was like, "Is this real?" And why? Because other people I watch have made like content about how preposterous that show is. Now, I get it. He's what in it for it? the flavor do- of love. Yeah, flavor, flavors, flavor of love. Yeah, I remember that. And it's just like you watch this, and it is like the ghetto bachelor of ghetto bachelor. Like, <laughs> I'm like, I just don't know how else to put it. It's like if Dave Chappelle, on the Chappelle Show in its prime, made a skit of The Bachelor. That is Flava Flav's Flava of Love. There you go. But it was a real thing that happened. This was like when like MTV was like really just like trying to get all of like. They never stopped. (laughs) Well, here's what happened. They switched from music videos uh, to reality TV. A lot of people want to hate MTV for that. But like there's no money in music videos. They couldn't afford to pay the labels anymore. So the labels stopped licensing them. And they they, uh, didn't make any money on their music video content. So they just pivoted into reality TV where they made a lot more money on S Club 7's bullshit and real life this and Paris Hilton life that. Was it Teenager Baby mamas, I don't know. I, can't remember I mean, that's what it evolved to because of TLC. But, I mean, we could hate MTV all we want for what they became. But when I learned about why they made those tra- choices, it's almost like, well, it was... Bad or nothing. They literally had a gun to their head in this conversation. And they were going to die, like you said. Like, there is no way to have music videos. The only reason we have music videos on YouTube is because of Vivo, which is a collaboration of the three majors put together and they all make money. They set terms and YouTube gives them a fucking cut. And that's why you can basically have sex and do drugs in a music video and stay monetized. And that's probably, like, well, I'm, I'm, I mean, that's kind of, I guess, I didn't really think about what Vivo was or where it came from, but I guess that makes sense because, like, when you were watching a music video on a Vivo music video or whatever, um, like, usually, like, the ads that are featured are music videos of other Vivo well, music videos. I feel like at this sense. point it's a little more hidden and back end. Like Vivo's less present, but in the copyright dollar tracking back end, it's still an institution that exists. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's just y'all know why. But bust the way I say it is no sellout. It's fine. There was definitely some selling out that happened on his end. But yo, I want to give it credit though. Chuck D, by contrast, is a real one. Honestly, the group is real ones. The rest of them, it's just flavor that's a little goofy. And that's fine. I mean, I'm not trying to, like, judge the guy. I just thought it was funny because I believe it's flavor that says don't sell out. Yeah. And it's just there's an irony to that, okay? I mean, you know, years later. He sold out. Yeah. But at this time, no no. sell out. And before you question, did he sell out? Have you watched the interviews where he talks about why he made these choices for the money? I, I, I mean... I would argue a reality television show is a sellout move for a member of public enemy, regardless of the man behind it. All I can say, cocaine's a hell of a drug. 
Uh, yeah. Did y'all know that physiologically cocaine and crack manifest the same way? So if y'all snort blow, technically you basically are smoking crack, but the delivery mechanism changes it a bit, but the physiological response of cocaine and crack cocaine are exactly the same? Who doesn't know that? People who judge crackheads but snort coke, because to my eyes, y'all are basic. Is that a real thing? Yes, all the time. People who snort coke. They're like, oh, I'm too fancy. I would never do No, people who snort coke. cocaine. I would just do regular cocaine. But that's it. People who snort coke have no idea that physiological Logically, they turn into crackheads while they're on coke. That is what coke does to you. All versions of coke. And then I thought about all the, when I learned this, I thought about all the coke experiences I've had with people on coke. And I'm like, no shit, they do act crackheady. It's just people who have coke tend to have money. So and they tend to have an indulgent lifestyle where they don't run out of coke and alcohol. I guess. Because like what a crack rock? I don't I don't really know. Well, either how way, the crack works, rock gets it, like fucking like smoke. Sh- it's like a shittier version of. And you get high like, for less time, and then you it's come a stronger, but cr- it's I don't just know that you, you're inhaling it. So inhaling it through like a smoky mechanism with some benign shit changes it versus snorting it. I don't know all the details and nuances as I've never done them all. But I don't know. I just watch a lot of intervention. So I feel like they were always burning it on like tin foil and stuff, and then yeah. they in- inject it. That's that's definitely an option that's for a good time for it too. But I just like to to tell people who do coke that in my eyes they're basically crackheads because there's no physiological difference, and it's okay. Most people who do drugs like crack and heroin aren't addicts of like the bad variety. Those are small percentages. Most people who do these drugs are functional in society motherfuckers. Yep. Anyway, all that to say, we are back on this shit. And oh, <laughs> caught in, now in court because I stole a beat. This is a sampling sport, but I'm giving it a new name. What you hear is mine, P.E. Now you know the time. This one's interesting because it kind of questions the sampling conversation where yeah. I don't know a thousand percent where i stand on this i absolutely know that if somebody stole my voice and used it as a hook which is theoretically possible but highly unlikely that motherfucker needs to pay me like he can't just take my voice and use it on his commercially viable product without my consent so i mean rappers do that a lot in that era um I mean, I wouldn't really be upset if, like, a rapper I liked did it. But let's say somebody I didn't respect did it. Uh, I'd, I'd sue. I'd go at them. I would fucking sue them for a violation of that shit. Or, like, if I... Because, like, I own the copyright on all my music. I own the masters and I own the recording compositions. So let's say the beat that was made specifically for me, dude steals that beat, I will sue. Because that's what I paid for. So, like... On an end of I created a, I've created my own art and compositions and things like that, and I don't really want them to be stolen by other people. I kind of empathize with one hand of the sampling conversation. On the other hand, if we think about fair use copyright law and the manipulation of transformative, I definitely argue that a lot of sampling is the literal definition of transformative. You're taking other people's artwork out of context, repurposing it for new use and therefore should fall under a fair use license even if it's commercial because when you listen to the magic that's done here but what the hell do i know maybe in some cases there isn't enough modification done maybe while public enemy eloquently put shit together there are way more blatant rip-offs with way less effort put into it because i don't know all of the 
bad music that was making money at the time and we've only looked at the truly excellent compositions i'm not actually in a position to say whether it's right or wrong because if enough people were doing it in a way that i don't agree is fair use like they just jack a guitar and a bass and a drum set and throw those three things together i don't know like you could argue that's fair game i could argue if you didn't do anything yeah. you're literally relying on other people and again i'm arguing here my opinion is fucking pointless but you can absolutely argue that those original compositions carried your song like when i hear a black eyed peas literally i'm had the time of my life they had to pay out their ass for that shit because they basically sold a song on an 80s pop hit okay like that's what they did so there's a lot of times where you'll hear it and it's like mm, yeah that's that's just some theft right there and then there's times where like this entire public enemy project where like even the way they used freddie mercury's voice it was so innovative it was so interesting and like yeah. that to me should fall under fair use so i think it's a gray nuance i don't think it should be like a a hard rule but how it ended up manifesting, we all know, is motherfuckers get sued and then now it's a fucking yep. big deal and nobody can sample anymore. All I know is rules like that didn't happen unless motherfuckers wasn't getting paid or some shit. So I don't know. Again, like, I don't know. Like, it's like if I take somebody else's work and use it to make money, do they get compensation is the question. I don't know if they should get compensation, but I do definitely think that they should be credited like in terms of like so you know there's that like, there's sample there's like something this was from like there's know? like there's something bongo boys beat or whatever there's like one drum bridge provided like so much of what hip-hop has used in drum patterns and those dudes hmm. made nothing billions of dollars and those guys made like nothing i saw the GoFundMe to try to raise them something a oh, couple wow. of years back so but, like I mean, it's the same thing like if you sample somebody else's work in like an essay or something like that or a book like if you are just taking like a you know like a chunk of like their thoughts and something that they've written they? or were they doing the citations were they giving the credit back I then? don't know I don't know how that works I don't or know were if they it was just on, like the album throwing or out a beat and a song without giving credit like, like I, where's the bibliography and I mean, I don't know what was happening back then because, frankly, I'm not going to go scrounge around for records. Like on Genius, it says, you know, who samples. Sometimes. But I think sometimes. Only exactly when people it. take the time to do it. And yes, there are lots of breakdowns of a public enemy's use of sampling. But, like, I know that a lot of people who are real pro hip hop are going to be straight up on the side of, you know, sampling should be fair game. But I'm really into like copyright law as a and, subject. Like, how long of a sample are you allowed to like use? Like, can it be only like eight seconds or something? Like, I don't know. Like, to be honest, I, use, like... I think that the length of a sample is even a relevant conversation. It's left to a judge to decide hmm. in all cases. What's really important is is what you're doing a blatant ripoff. Like, if I were to go ahead and go, and I were to take that exact melody and play it on a bass. I mean, I just stole Nirvana's baseline. There's nothing I can do about that. I just stole it. And then I'm playing on your nostalgic memory to sell my song. I need to pay for the right to use that thing that was so heavily marketed. All that money went into it. So much, it's kind of like one motherfucker builds up a brand, throws a billion dollars at an idea, and then another motherfucker just shows up and steals the benefit of all that hard work for nothing. Is yeah. this right or wrong? Well, yeah, it's been done time and this time. This is and just the shit again. that business ethics people can go ahead and discuss. I uh, would go case by case on every answer. On every answer, I would rule one way or another based on how I felt. So fuck my opinion on this. <laughs> 
But I just want to point out that it's not black or white. And it's a really interesting, nuanced conversation where obviously we know where fucking public enemy stands at. But again, I don't know where I stand on it because I don't think it's that simple. So, yeah, sampling is a new sport. And yes, it's a thing that comes through. And I understand all the reasons for it. But I don't know that sampling, this is the one part where I'm going to go, I don't think that had fucking anything to do with anything other than motherfuckers wanted money. Yeah, maybe. This one was straight capitalism. I mean, why? Because the music industry is thieving capitalist assholes. Everything they do is based on dollars. There are a lot of political forces that do a lot of racist control shit. I don't think that's what this was. I think this was like straight up, yo, these motherfuckers are not paying their due diligence. They're trying to bypass shit. That's what I think. They're trying to break the threshold of entry into music. And uh, what I love about hip hop is it ended up innovating and getting around all that shit anyway. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I don't know. Overall, this is fine. Get hype. Come on, we gotta gather around. Gotcha mail from the courts in jail. Claims they stole the beats I rail. Look at how I'm living and they go and check the mic, right? Psych, look at how I'm living. Lower than the low. What a sucker now. Find this mineral that I call a beat. Paid zero. I pack my load. I mean, I don't know. I'm just used to buying beats. I'm just used to paying my producer for beats and making sure I secure the rights. It's hard for me to put myself into a mindset where this was new. You were just doing, and then all of a sudden the man showed up and said, yeah, yeah, copyright law. Give me money. So, like, I kind of get it from his point of view, but it's so hard to empathize in hindsight. Like, it's hard for me to empathize. I think the sampling court case and the way they went at people is kind of bullshit. And the way they fucked up, I think it was Bismarcky's career, is completely bullshit. I think how they handled it was really, really bad. Why? Because millions and millions of dollars were made by a lot of rich fucking people that know, but they should have been clipped. It should not have been the artist. It should have been the record executives that got punished and tortured for this. That's it. Not the artist. The artist signed contracts and shit. It's no longer their problem, in my opinion. Still, yeah, it's fair. it's fine. It's pretty good. Everything's fine about this track. I don't have a lot more to comment on the, the lyrics. I do like when he goes at the end. You singers are spineless. As you sing your senseless songs to the mindless, your general subject matter is minimal. It's sex for profit. Scream that I sample. For example, Tom, you rounded a federal court in the U.S. It don't mean you, yeah, because they front it on you. The posse ready. Basically, everyone else is weak. They're coming through. They got the real strength. Yeah. All these other musicians are sellouts just doing their shit for the man. It's all fine. I get it. Um, I really enjoyed this song in light of everything I just said. Um, so I give it a 4.5 because the beat's great and everything about it's real strong. I just... The sampling conversation is so interesting to me because it's not black and white to me the way it is to other people. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... I mean, I don't really have too much else to say. Um, you know, they're basically saying, like, their music is so good, it'll get them arrested. And, like, that's, you know, kind of what's happening. And um, I like some of the lyrics that I declared war on black radio. They say that I planned this. On the radio, most of you will demand this. Won't be on a playlist. Bust the way it is. I say this. No sellout. So I think it's pretty interesting, you know, like, just dealing with, like, the issues and, you know, the issues of radio and sampling and you know all of that stuff and um that they aren't necessarily being played on the radio for like the mainstream and that and that's okay i think i think that they can still get their um their point across and you know they're basically also dealing with like critics and like the people um who are mad at them for like speaking their truth and their knowledge and then and at the same time like you know getting mad uh that it's there, I guess. Um, yeah, I mean, it was fine. I gave this one a 4.25. All right. 
So we're about halfway through the project, and we're already, it's, it's pretty lengthy so far, so we're gonna cut it at the first half of part one. So we want to thank y'all for being here with us. We appreciate y'all, because at the end of the day, it's a lot more fun to have people like y'all to come through, listen to what we have to say. I'm certain I'll have triggered some people, and we'll get some <laughs> comments. Those are always fun. Yay. Uh, but really, it's, it's been such an educational experience. And if you want, go watch the first Public Enemy review we did, and watch this one, and just see what the fuck three and a half years of education and growth can do to a person. Yeah. yeah. Um, Otherwise, yeah, like the video if you did. Subscribe for more content and part two. And then uh, special thanks to the patrons. It's Milka Damsey, Chris Prada, Jonathan Barnes, DJ Black Hurricane, Linda Williams, Scribble, and Carl. Dope. Support what we do. Uh, they get to tell us about review what they want to see us review. So you'll see more of their requests coming in real soon. Um, and, yeah, uh, it just it helps a lot. It, it does. So we appreciate y'all again. Yeah. I make music myself. You can check that out on this channel. I plugged it at the beginning. So, I mean, if y'all are curious, you can just see the links below. I'm real proud of what I've done recently. Anyway, live long and prosper, everybody. Bye, guys.